Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you're with Lyle and Mon. who has forgotten her brain. I, 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 you know, I think I just checked out. I might have left in Prague. I might have to go back to Prague and get my brain, Lyle. In fact, I'm going to leave and do that now. Bye. No. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a killer of a day, Lyle. It's one of those days where we know what's going to happen because it's a delayed broadcast. Yeah. And amongst other things, Mon is going to forget her brain. But yes. it's all good fun. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's you know, no brain, no headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lyle. So, yes, I, I turned there up to some... work. I forgot my laptop. I forgot my cable. I forgot the, the rice cooker that I had to take to my next job. I, for, I forgot, like, everything, my notes. Um, there was a spider and a slater bug in the shower this morning with me. It's just not been a great day. And then uh, we have a bit of a mishap with a, with a with an office instrument here as well. And then during the break, during the... the the news break i i zip back to my house to pick up all my stuff and still managed to forget my laptop i went home to get it and forgot it <laughs> but i came back with the rice this is why we right. love you mon you're so much fun yeah i'm so retarded <laughs> anyway we have a wonderful show we think <laughs> <laughs> we do have a wonderful show coming up for you today i am a bit brain dead in fact we got we we, we got some uh, text messages um just coming in congratulating us for the show as it was continuing on yeah which so was funny because lyle and i were looking to, looking at the going man this is not going well <laughs> <laughs> no we weren't it's a great show we get to study the bible it's Amen. A, it's an important thing indeed and, indeed uh, it's a blessing and we get to talk about some important issues. we get to talk about scott morrison Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you know what? My brain things. is so brain dead today that when you started off that segment and started talking about Scott Morrison, I was like, who's Scott Morrison? <laughs> 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 I had to Google it when you went looking. <laughs> I'm so out of it today. Oh, Mon, I you're apologize. On air. This is radio. The way that radio works is that everybody gets to hear I'm, it. I'm really sorry. But to be honest, ever since ever since they kicked out that orange-haired Prime Minister, what was her name again? I can't even remember her name right now. But ever since they... Like, the Guillotine, Julia Gillard, Gillard, ever since they kicked her out and they've had this like constant kaleidoscope of changing faces up the front. Yes, it's a little bit it's, like that, it's, isn't it? It's, it's like, ah, oh, who yeah. is it at the moment? Oh, exactly. who is it now? Exactly. Oh, it'll change yeah. every five minutes. So, yeah. so th- that's worth. my excuse. That and my brain's gone to Prague. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. We do have a good show coming up to you uh, for you today. We have a pretty easy quiz. So yeah, take a step at that. Yep, we do indeed. And uh, and uh, we, ha- we have some controversial um, topics in the good news segment even uh, about advertising and about Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Your story yeah, is so cool. Yeah, about racism. Oh, stay tuned. Pretty mm. good news coming up out of that. But yeah, we have a great show coming up. Uh, so stick around and um, we have some special music and that kicks off, oh, I think, about right now, Lyle. Absolutely.
Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus Back everybody, that was Caitlin Clampett with Love Lifted Me here on Faith FM. As we get into the morning show, the breakfast show, we have a quiz to get us started. What have we got there, Mon? Yes, we have a Who Am I quiz again. This one's a bit easier than yesterday. <laughs> we got anything actually, up on uh, Instagram Yes, yet? yes. First Clues already been up for a while now on, on uh, Instagram, uh, Insta Story, not TV, but Insta Story. Uh, so this is a Who Am I? First Clue is, I said each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshipping the Baal of Pure. Uh, so you can give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And uh, we will send the prize. This morning, the prize, very special. Um, so as you know, we do our Encounter with God uh, section using some study guides. And we have just started a new study guide um, that's just come out. So our our previous study guide, so if you enjoyed the Book of Acts, that study that we did for three months, we have the study guides that you can you can take home as well as a brand spanking new Bible. So this is our old ones complete with uh, my scribble in places. Yeah. Did you scribble in them, Lyle? Oh, on occasion. You did a little bit. You did a little bit, yeah, yes. A few, no- a few extra, a few extra yes. study notes there. So, yeah, but yeah, but you know what? That might be helpful to the person who's learning. So um, this is a great you – know, I really, really enjoyed the Book of Acts study. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy the uh, the book studies the best. Yeah, yeah, they're just, great. Just to just, just start yeah. at the beginning of a, a book mm-hmm. and just work your way through. So if you were like, oh, man, I missed some or that was really great and I wish I could have that on paper or something like that, this is your opportunity to win that so uh, we have two other study guides plus uh, a Bible it's an N- NKJV it's a New King James Version a Holy Bible um, it's a red and white Bible and um, yeah it's really beautiful so it's brand spanking new and ready to go so if you want to win the prize then uh, definitely keep listening for those clues check out our Instagram and we will send you those three books uh, completely free Lyle I yes. have th- two really Really important stories that I want to talk to you about. I'm like super excited about both of them, and they're quite big in my all in my opinion in my mm-hmm. world. Okay, you're yep. just taking notes over there. I, I'm taking notes because I'm just uh, <clears throat> I'm writing down all the things that you're doing wrong. 
<laughs> so that would seeing be nothing. As, seeing as you didn't bring your brain today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah. I'm not sure if I'm done the, what I'm doing wrong is going to help me. Maybe if you like be a brain for me. <laughs> now I've got this really cool sto- story coming up. And I'm just like, oh, I need to write this down before I forget what I'm going to talk about. Okay, but listen to yeah, this. Yeah, all right, this okay, is okay, really, okay, okay. really, really cool. So um, there's an engineer in Los Angeles who got sick of being bombarded by like endless bad news and television ads on public screens. And... and you and I, everyone knows what this is like. You know, everywhere you look, you can't seem to escape where businesses have, you know, figured out ways to advertise to us. You know, billboards, you know, moving signs, people standing on the street corners wearing sandwich boards. Like, it's just everywhere. And uh, it is hard to escape. And if you're sick of it, you don't really have much choice. You can move out to the mountains or something. Um, so, he's gotten sick of this as well. He just... He just was so fed up with, he created a pair of sunglasses that actually block out the screens. So, you know what? So, you imagine. What? Exactly. Imagine being in Times Square where you're just surrounded by these like LED, huge, enormous billboard signs that are always like flashing some sort of, you know, advertising trend, whatever. You put these sunglasses on and all the screens turn to black. What about your phone screen and your computer screen? Uh, it doesn't say anything about that. Because I reckon that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you could turn your phone to silent, um, turn the buzzer off, put the sunglasses on, and, and have yeah. peace and quiet. Yeah, like visual peace and quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. So he said, his name's Scott Blue. And like, almost like taking a holiday in the middle of a city. I know, right? I know. And I've been trying to wean myself off sunglasses, which is something I'm going to talk about in the like, next few days. But these are sunglasses I would definitely purchase. So the, Scott Blue is the engineer. He was, an inli- he was in line at a food truck of all places. And he was annoyed because even outdoors, he couldn't escape the glare of droning negative news. Because it was not just advertising, it's also the constant negative news. Mm-hmm. Which is, we understand that here at Faith FM, you know, our, our slogan is positively different. Um, and he said he remembered reading about a special kind of film that could block out LED and LCD light. So he tried ordering some of this film and uh, him and his friend Ivan Cash, he was a, a designer. Um, they started to, to experiment with the film and with sunglasses and they found it worked perfectly. And they called these glasses IRL glasses, which stands for in real life. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, you know, all these advertisements are not really portraying real life at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, not portraying real needs or anything like that. Okay, so does it make the... Ho- does it make uh, these sunglasses like sunglasses that, you know, get rid of the glare at the same time? It says here, the shades utilize a special kind of polarized lens that blocks the light. So when someone wears the glasses in like, like for example, a sports bar for incident looks around, the TV screens magically seem to go black. So I have a little picture here for you. And this is a no special effect. So this hasn't been edited. So you can see he's holding up a pair of sunglasses in front of the camera. Yeah, okay. So it's blocking out um, some of the glare as well. Yeah. So you wouldn't actually be able to use it in a sports bar because you know a lot of sports bars the lighting is too dim anyway well um, I, I don't know i just don't mate yeah i guess it'd be the same as wearing any pair of sunglasses inside depends on how cool you are yeah. no. <laughs> but um but the, I, I like the idea for being for being outside because i'm i'm annoyed when i go outside and i see massive billboards but the interesting thing is the response they've had from the public so they started a kickstarter campaign like a crowdfunding thing um to raise the money to manufacture them and uh and so they had a goal of $25,000, but in three days, they got 1000 1, sorry, 110000 sorry, oh, wow. 110000 and they still have two more weeks of crowdfunding to go. Um, so, within, within uh, 
a few months people could be wearing these glasses on the street and so the duo have actually like been out on the street wearing the prototypes and people stop them all the time and ask them about it because apparently yeah i was gonna say why, why, why would people they must look different well they've done this on purpose and i don't know what this is but apparently there's a sci-fi movie from the 80s called they live and it's about a man who discovers a pair of sunglasses that can magically block out advertisements and they've modeled the frame to look exactly like those sunglasses and so people are recognizing them and wondering whether or not it does the same and it kind of does so i've never heard of this movie i've never heard of it either it's like an 80s sci-fi it can't be that good right <laughs> but um so he did an interview with wired and uh, and he said the hopes of product is also a conversation starter about how ubiquitous news broadcasts affect our lives and how people want control over their exposure to technology which is so true like i want more control over the technology that's exposed to me i feel like society it's at some level, no longer has control. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even if you go online, um, you're just bombarded with advertising. Yeah. You know, just completely bombarded mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. advertising. Even with, you know, ad blocker or whatever, you know, activated this. It's just like, ugh, just get this out of my face. Yeah. It's just everywhere I go. It's I know when I go on, on YouTube and stuff and I like bring <clears> up a video and it has like, you know, it forces you to watch like a 10 second. Like sometimes you can skip them and sometimes you can't. I get so annoyed that I can't skip it that I actually scroll the screen up. So I'm just looking at the comments and then I can't um, see the screen. And then I can't watch the advertisement. It sounds weird, but it's like me trying to take back control. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, my eyes. To be honest, I do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, there's, there's there's various apps out there. Like for instance, Instagram. I used to really enjoy Instagram, and you know, do do a lot of photography. I stopped using it big when they started advertising. Yeah, because it's just completely bombarded with advertising. I'm like, I'm just I'm just over this. I I don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like maybe 1,100 followers, something like that. Nothing huge, but um, yeah. It was, Decent. Well, I don't know what I should tell you about the second storyline because we've got like two minutes left. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Okay, 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 fine, fine, fine. This is really cool. So Chelsea Soccer Club um, over in England. Um, I didn't realize they had this problem, but they've decided to combat anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, like against Jews, people who are against Jews. Um, So they're they're a huge, very famous football club. I didn't know this, but uh, if a fan displayed any sort of racist behavior towards the Jewish demographic of their fan base, uh, the Chelsea Football Club would just confiscate their season tickets and bar them from the games for up to three years. You can be banned. Is this only racism years. against Jews or is it racism? At the moment, racism against Jews because... It should be against everyone. Well, listen, keep listening. Okay, okay. So, so the Jewish owner of the Stamford Bridge Stadium in Fulham, uh, London, he's actually spearheading a really interesting initiative that will offer supporters an option. So if you've been barred for being uh, racist towards Jews, you now have an option. You can either accept the three-year ban or they can participate in educational courses that are now being taught at, guess where... I'll switch. And the Chelsea Football Club is so intent on curbing racist behaviour, they'll be covering all the costs of the courses. So the chairman uh, of Chelsea Football Club, Bruce Buck, he said, you know, um, this policy gives them the chance to realise what they have done and to make it better. So in the past, we used to ban them. Um, Now they have the option to uh, spend time with diversity officers understanding what they did wrong. this, this This could backfire. This could, I mean, at the moment it's backed by the World Jewish sort of thinking, Congress and the Holocaust thinking, Education um, Trust. I'm just thinking, you know, free trip to Poland right here. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, you have to spend time with diversity officers and you will get educated. Like you basically take a course on how to stop being a racist pig. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. I reckon it's the key to end all racism, education. Because I think people it is. who think... Education and uh, association, you know, making yeah, friends with people. Exactly, exactly. Getting to know people. 
Tell us what you think. Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM.
Welcome back, guys. That was Savannah Ellis with Love You Never Let Me Go here on Faith FM. And Mon, I have a tragedy. Oh, no, what? Something has gone wrong. More than what's already gone wrong for me today? Look at this. <gasps> no. No, that thing is brand new. My shifter is broken. I cannot believe this. My shifter is broken. It doesn't work. So how long, how long ago was this? Yeah, I don't know. It's only been like a few <laughs> weeks. For those of you might be wondering what on earth is Lila Mon talking about because this is actually radio and not TV. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot that. I forgot that. <laughs> Mon bought me a shifter some time ago, otherwise known as an adjustable wrench to our American friends. And it's not a real one because it doesn't go backwards and forwards, but it does have a pen in it. Yeah. It's, a it's, it's been the best pen ever because nobody ever steals it because no one actually thinks, thinks it's, it's a, a pen. pen. And we were just commenting on this yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's the why only pen you, that hasn't been stolen from Why did you have to say something? Every, yeah. every other pen in our office has been stolen except for this one. Yeah, because it, it looks, for you ladies out there, it looks like a, like a spanner or a wrench kind of a tool. And then on the other end, it's actually, it's actually a pen. So it's like a wrench-shaped pen and when you stick it in the pen in the pen cup it sticks out and it looks like a tool so no one ever it's the only pen right now that hasn't been stolen from our studio and now it's died it's died Lyle. not even it's my dead. shoe trick can fix no, it no not even your shoe trick you try putting it in front no. of the heater Switch the heater and put it in front of the heater get the get the ink hot forget See that i'm pretty through. sure i could find the receipt for this i'm going back to the <laughs> store how dare they that's like practically brand new and i'm not doing on any heater <laughs> <coughs> Well, I have, uh, I have probably done two pads worth of scribbling with it. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But still, do you know what? I did take a lot of This notes. is such like, it's such an involved, intense pen. There must be a way to like unscrew the nib and do like a refill. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, get me a real shifter. <laughs> get your real shifter so you can unscrew your pen. Shifter. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's, uh-huh. not be, let's, uh-huh. let's talk about serious stories. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is very serious, Lyle. Because that's a piece of plastic, and now we're going to have to chuck it, and it's going to end up in waste, like in landfill, right? And I'm sure that that, that uh, Mon, plastic Mon, Mon, shifter such pen, a, such a greenie, is going to take a long time to decompose. I'm just trying to make it relevant, Lyle, <laughs> 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 so we can get away with talking about our pen issues on okay. the radio. <laughs> All right, so we've got this uh, news story coming out this morning that Scott Morrison is considering uh, moving the Australian embassy. From Tel Aviv in Israel to Jerusalem and recognizing Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel, uh, which I find somewhat disturbing. You know, we all wondered how, how we would go when we, with a very, very religious prime minister, probably the most religious prime minister that we've had in 50 years or more. Mm hmm. Pro- possibly the most religious prime minister we've ever had in Australia. You reckon? Possibly. Even way back? Yeah, even way back. Wow, okay. Um, I mean, this guy's really devout. And, you know, I, I support people being devout about their religion. But when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, to influence foreign policy and these kind of things, and then I've got some major question marks that come up because, you know, separation of church and state is an important thing. And, you know, ethical issues aside, when it comes to political issues, um, this, is, this is something that we really need to... Um, you know, stay out of. Mm-hmm. And my question is, you know, is the embassy going to be more effective in Tel Aviv than it is in Jerusalem, or you know, they put it in I don't know Caesarea or any other city in in Israel? There's, there's, it's, it's just an embassy. What difference is it going to make? The big difference that it makes is a symbolic difference, because you know that the moment that Australia does this. It's going to stir up the whole of the Middle East and paint a 
big red target on every Australian tourist that is in any country in the Middle East other than Australia. You know, this is this is a this is a world in which you know this is a really really hot topic already. And uh, as 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 you know, if if there was if there hadn't been war, but I mean, think of the the war on terror. You know, the last twenty odd years. Um, this is an area that is a hotbed, and this this is a move that um, is just purely inflammatory. So, I. I, like to some extent, I just don't understand why the Middle Easters would be so upset that we stuck an embassy there, because that's just—it's just common practice. Like countries have embassies in other countries. Like, can they just not get over it? It's the symbolic location of it, because Jerusalem has. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I understand that, and then there is totally that aspect of okay, get over it. Yeah, right. I just, I just from both sides. Yeah, just from for me sides. personally, I just don't think it's that inflammatory of a of a move. I just think they're like they're being drama llamas. Okay, so the Arabs domestic. and the Palestinians are being drama llamas, mm-hmm. but on, absolutely, I, I will agree with that. On the other hand, mm-hmm. the Australians are being needlessly inflammatory. But it, I mean, if I travel to Israel, sure, and I need embassy assistance, uh-huh. is it going to make any difference if it's in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv? Is it going to be more efficient in one than the other? No, not really. I'm going to walk through the door. There's going to be an office there. Uh-huh. There are going to be people to serve me and take care of me. Um, what difference does it make? So it, I just want to get some perspective. Is this to them a bit like as if they came here and stuck their embassy, I don't know, let's say on some sort of sacred Aboriginal ground? Yeah. <laughs> but, but they're basically saying the entire country is sacred. Where here we no, have no, no, like no, no, segments. No, no. The city. The city. The city, the city is sacred. Is sacred. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. The whole city is sacred. You can't do anything there. <laughs> no, they're not saying that the whole city is sacred and you can't do anything there. So can't the Australian it's government just, then find a spot where it's a little less inflammatory? Well, that's my whole argument. Tel Aviv is the capital of Israel and it's a whole lot less inflammatory than Jerusalem. But, sh- but surely the whole of Jerusalem isn't like in this lockdown area, right? Okay, so you've got to understand the history of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Go on. Because... You know, there is some, you know, let's, let's consider it over the last 2,000 years. If you go to the Bar Kokhba uh, revolt that took place in, uh, when was it, um, 136 AD, which was the last Jewish revolt that took place in Palestine, um, Jews were expelled from the city of Jerusalem. So for, you know, a couple of thousand years, Jews had seen that as the, their, 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 their holy city, the, the center of their worship, the place where the temple was. Um, it was the center of their religion. Um, it was the city of David. They had a lot of very, very strong ties to that city in the same way that, you know, indigenous Australians will have very, very strong ties to certain, you know, sacred sites here in this country. And, you know, we have fairly strong t- ties to, you know, we wouldn't like to see our churches being blasphemed and so forth. Mm-hmm. So they were expelled by the Romans, um, never, ever to return to the city. And so that, you know, that, that was uh, a, a period of tremendous heartbreak because without the temple, of course, you've got no uh, sacrificial system. It's ripped basically the, the guts out of half of their religion. Um, that wasn't restored, so they weren't allowed to come back to the city of Jerusalem for 500 years. It wasn't until uh, the Islamic religion had been invented and Islam came to power in Jerusalem that Jews were allowed to come back. And one of the first things that the Islamic Caliphate did um, in the year um, 638 when they conquered Jerusalem was to allow Jews back in for the first time and Christians. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people forget this. 
you know, they've, the, the 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 whole war on terror has turned you know everybody sort of you know against um, Islamic people. But if you actually look at the history, Islam has always recognized Jerusalem as a religious center rather than a political center. You know, they've used it as a political center at times as well, but they're like, no, this is, a, this is a city that needs to be held as a city of peace and pilgrimage for all three Abrahamic religions because Jewish people see this city as being important, Islamic people see it as being important, and Christian people see it as being important. And, <clears throat> of course, um, you know, the, it, it was the Jews weren't expelled again until the Crusades. Christians came in during the Crusades. Um, in 1099, they slaughtered basically the entire inhabitants of Jer- Jerusalem that was made up of Muslims, Jews, and Christians. But they weren't Roman Catholic Christians, so they all got killed anyway. Um, and then they expelled, you know, all the Jews and Muslims. And then, you know, 150, 200 years later, whatever it was, Salah Adin, uh, came to power, restored Islamic rule, and allowed Jews and Christians of all faiths back into the city again. And so under Islamic rule, this has been a city where a city of pilgrimage for all faiths. Um, now, of course, the Jews have always wanted to claim it for themselves and um, and set it up as their capital city, which when you look at the history of how you know Israel came to be as a state, that then becomes very inflammatory in the entire Middle East because they're like, well, we've been here for 2,000 years and you guys have just sort of rocked up and, you know, since the end of the British mandate, more or less, and, um, and, and, and created this Jewish state by immigration. And people get upset about that kind of thing. So this is, yeah, it's, it's inflammatory. Has Scott Morrison given good reason as to why he thinks it should be there? He needs the, he needs the uh, seat of Wentworth, which is 13% Jewish. Oh, I see. So it's more of a little. Mm-hmm, I see what's going on there. But hey, it's a, it's a, there's a there's a very much a religious aspect to uh, what is taking place. Give us a call and tell us what you think. Is Scott Morrison doing a douchey move, or is it all valid? One eight hundred Faith FM.
You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. Um, I'm here with Dr. David Catchpool and uh, recording this session uh, at the Creation Ministries International Super Conference in Queensland and caught up with uh, Dr. Catchpool earlier on today and he agreed to very kindly to come and, and uh, spend some time talking to us about, uh, about his story, his testimony. And uh, so, yeah, David, maybe uh, you could just begin by sharing with us uh, whereabouts, whereabouts did you come from originally? I was born in South Australia uh, into a thoroughly secular home. Okay. So no church going. And at school, um, everything that I was taught was couched in terms of uh, evolution being true, that uh, Charles Darwin's ideas uh, and others since point to... Uh, a universe that's billions of years old and that um, on Earth we um, have evolved relatively recently uh, after a very long period earlier of um, organisms becoming more and more complex from some pond billions of years ago where particles came together and somehow the first living cell was formed. So that view might sound merely academic, but it actually framed my entire worldview. So, for example, when, um, see, my parents had been raised in, in church-going households, uh, so they had, you know, notionally Christian background, knew something of the Bible, but they never passed any of that on to me or my brother. And so, uh, how did being taught evolution affect um, the way I lived my life compared with my parents. Well, one example, when charity collectors came to the door, my mother would usually give them something, whereas I would think, what's the point? This charity is for the down and outs, you know, and people who are in the gutter. Um, evolution's going to wipe them out. They're interfering with evolution. The charity's basically bad for... Bad for human evolution. Human evolution, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the weak need to die out. Don't prolong it. Um, whereas now, if I fast forward to today, uh, I believe that there is a God, that he made us, therefore we are accountable to him. And um, he says, love your neighbour as yourself. So, of course, if someone is collecting for the down and outs... If I truly have compassion, loving my neighbour as myself, I will give. Very different perspective. Now, I happen to notice that charities, on the whole, as the older generations die off, who, are, who were taught giving, 
guess what? Donations are diminishing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tragedy, and, and uh, I'd like to encourage you as a listener, if, uh, if you have opportunity to give to a charity, someone comes knocking on your door, there's a great thing to do. Just, uh, yeah, and uh, get out there and, uh, and, and participate in that. But, um, okay, so as a student, you know, coming up through school, high school, etc., your parents have, I guess, a, uh, some basic concept of Christianity from their childhood. What was your opinion of the creation story as a young person? Oh, fiction. Absolute fiction. Uh, my view, consistent with um, uh, atheism, that evolution is true, is that all religions just evolved. And there was a time in our human history where groups of people who had evolved some sort of religion uh, had a survival advantage. But here in this modern age, we certainly don't need religion anymore. In fact, it's an impediment. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Uh, I thought that uh, science... um, Well, I I could see that science as it's taught uh, and um, what the Bible says about our origins are contradictory. In other words, science as as it's taught says that uh, science has shown that everything just evolved over millions and billions of years, right? Therefore, the Bible's not true. Therefore, there is no God. Um, so, so your, your question again was about... Oh, just, yeah, just what your attitude was to, uh, towards the creation story. Oh, no. Yeah, Absolute just, fiction. Yeah. Fiction. Um, as, a, as a made-up story, and all religions had their creation myth, as I viewed it. Uh, and yes, it might have helped in the past, but now it's a hindrance. Okay, now you've gone on to do uh, further education and uh, get involved in agricultural science, mm-hmm. um, right up to having a PhD. And uh, through it, tell us a little bit about that story. And you know, through that process, um, you know, did anything change in your attitude towards the creation story, uh, the existence of God, etc.? Not in the slightest uh, during my undergraduate degree in agricultural science and again during honours. In fact, uh, part of the agricultural science degree involved doing ordinary science subjects such as uh, botany, zoology, general biology, geology. And uh, my ears were attuned to the evolutionary narrative that was taught by all the lecturers. And I thought, yep, Evolution is true. Why, why would you ever still be religious? You know? um, my views changed um, during my PhD. I did the fieldwork for the PhD in a country that is majority Muslim, Indonesia. And what were you actually studying in your PhD? Um, I was looking at the nitrogen relationships, nitrogen transfer between a tree legume, which fixes nitrogen from the atmosphere, and its release as it's fed to a ruminant animal, such as goats, or um, the leaf incorporated into the soil for uptake by grass, which is then fed to the animal. So basically looking at uh, how tree legumes, whether in the cut and carry system or or whatever, uh, boost the level of nitrogen in the agricultural environment. And I was enrolled at an Australian university and did the PhD successfully, enrolled at Australian University, but the fieldwork saw me living in Indonesia for three and a half years. And that's where 
I moved from being atheist to Christian. And uh, it's kind of unique finding Christ in a Muslim country. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, you know, the the soundbite is an atheist went to a Muslim country and came back a Christian. What does that say about Islam? <laughs> it says plenty about Islam. Um, what I saw, particularly a pivotal point, was driving from, I was on the island of Sulawesi, which has been in the news this week with the mm, earthquake yeah, and Palu, yeah, tsunami, yeah. And mudslides. Um, and I actually went through Palu on this journey. This was in 1984. And driving along this road, I'd been in Indonesia about 18 months, um, driving with an Australian colleague, a 10-day journey it was then, took us through 100% Islamic areas, or, or sorry, majority Islam areas, like the one I was working in in South Sulawesi, but also through um, Hindu transmigration settlements from Bali, also through uh, Christian areas. Anyway, the, the most Christian province in Indonesia, or most Christian area in Indonesia, is actually in North Sulawesi. Uh, at that time, very definitely, uh, almost 100% Christian. Uh, everyone attends churches, and it was there, crossing the border from one of the most Islamic areas of Indonesia, Gorontalo, into the most Christian, Minahasa, that I remember clear as day this thought. Ah, you know, here the people in the Christian area are law-abiding, laughing, loving, whereas in the Muslim areas, they, they're angry and they certainly treat non-Muslims terribly. And, the, oh, you know, Australia is such a livable place because of our Christian heritage. And so I had this thought, very crystal clear thought. If at the point of a gun I was forced to choose a religion, I would choose Christianity. And that was on the strength that I could see that the fruit of Christianity was an orderly society where people didn't steal from one another, etc. And I, I wanted to retain that good thing. Did it mean I believe in the spirit realm? I believed in the spirit realm at the time? Well, God, absolutely not. That only happened further down the track when uh, the chips were down. Uh, I fell into a pit of despair. Various circumstances happened. And I remember doing what you might call a plea bargain with God. Um, I got down on my knees because I'd heard that's what you do to pray. Right. I got down on my knees and I said, God, I even sound strange saying your name because I'm not sure you exist. But if you do exist and can hear me and get me out of this mess, then I'll be a Christian all the days of my life. And long story short, he kept his part of the bargain. So my part of the bargain was I started going to church. And... Yeah, I believe that, uh, you know... Now, now just, just let me butt in there for a minute. Whereabouts were you when this, takes, when this part of the story takes place? Okay. Uh, I did the long road trip where I came to the conclusion that on the basis of, yep. of uh, society health, Christianity was a good choice. It was about six months later that I went through the, these health and other issues where I did my plea bargain with God. Then as it happens... Um, at that point, after I'd done that, uh, I was due to come back to Australia for compulsory three-month residency at the Australian University. I had to interrupt my three and a half years in Indonesia to come back to Australia. So that's where I found my first church, and the people were wonderful. They welcomed me, and uh, 
you know, it was so funny in that I didn't know what happened in the church uh, and I just happened to bump into some uh, Christians my age in the university department where I was doing my PhD. They were doing their master's and PhD and uh, they invited me to their church and they were waiting on the front steps the day I arrived. And so I went in with them, one sat either side of me and um, when they sang... Uh, the song, I joined in. When they stood up, I stood up. When they sat down, I sat down. When they shut their eyes to pray, I didn't because I needed to see what was happening. Didn't yeah, I? absolutely. <laughs> and, and this is good advice for anyone who's listening in right now. If you've never been to church, um, make, make sure you meet somebody at the front door. They will welcome and just, you. And just, and well, my you. experience is... I've never been to a church where I've been welcomed, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, so, so that was very special. But I didn't believe the Bible from that point. Uh, I, uh, in fact... Look, that particular church I was in had some elders who could see that I was science trained and so on, and they said, you don't need to uh, worry about Genesis. The Old Testament is just a book of yarns, all right? Well, I now know that's not the truth, but it took me 12 years Mm -hmm. to get to that point, wrestling with how can I fit evolution and millions of years into the Bible? Well, of course you can't. Yeah, no, that's impossible. That's a a very painful fence to try and sit on top of. God's word and... Uh, man's thinking about origins just contradict one another at every level, at every level. Um, Evolution puts death as a natural part of life. You could argue it's a good thing because death removing the weak, favouring the strong, brought eventually man into existence. According to the Bible, death's an enemy and only came into the world because of man's actions. Mm -hmm, mm Uh, and in the theistic model, you've, death is actually God's means of creation. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, just, that's right. And, know, that's not a God of love. And, and the thing is, a lot of, a lot of people who profess Christ, um, uh, you know, they say, yeah, I, I believe God's word, and I've no reason to doubt their heart's desire. Unfortunately, the deception is rife. Uh, there are many people who've been browbeaten into accepting the age of the earth being what the evolution say, billions of years old, not realising that the, the billions and millions of years applies to what's called the fossil record. And so uh, dinosaur fossils, for example, you can find dinosaur fossils where uh, one dinosaur's eating another, or even cannibalism in the dinosaurs. You find cancers in dinosaurs the same as, as in us. And so picture this, at the end of creation week, God, according to the Bible, looks at all he had made, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he sees that everything is very good. That's what he says. But death's an enemy. Um, all, the, all the animals were originally created to eat plants, and there were no cancers and whatnot. So the fossils, dinosaur fossils with cannibalism and cancer, carnivory in them, cannot predate Adam. Mm. Therefore... Uh, they can't be billions of years old. So where do you put them? It's very simple. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it talks about how in the last days, scoffers will come forgetting two major events, creation and the flood. And it's the flood which accounts for layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of uh, geological strata with these fossils with billions of dead things in so very much they post-date Adam. And the thing is, when you look at the, the fossils and the layers with that perspective, you don't need millions of years. The billions of years, millions of billions of years vaporise. Mm. So I am so excited by the fact that God's word is true. For, for the, my first 12 years as a Christian, I really struggled about that. In fact, because I tried to compromise with 
well, uh, the age issue, millions and billions of years, and evolutionary ideas, I was basically defrauded of uh, the sharp-edged sword with which we, um, uh, you know, the word of God. Mm. It's the full armour of God in Ephesians chapter 6. What, what brought you to, you know, you're wrestling with this. What was it that actually, you know, tipped you over the edge and you're like, okay, I'm going to accept, accept what the Bible says? Well, it's quite amazing. Uh, I went to our church with my family, wife and our children, one Sunday, and an insert in the church news bulletin was advertising a creation ministries conference. Well, at that point, I still believed that you could fit evolution millions of years in the Bible. This is 12 years after my mm-hmm. conversion. And so was this like, honest, I'm thinking, early 90s, somewhere there? Got it. Yep. Yeah, well, mid-90s. Mid mid-90s. Um, and I was so angry, but of course, I had to go along, didn't I? It was being held <laughs> at another church. I had to go along to, uh, to, this was on a Friday and Saturday, a two-day seminar, Friday night, all through Saturday. And I, th- I had to go along, a bit of curiosity to see what they say, but really to tell these people where they were wrong. Well, guess what? Um, one of the speakers was still a speaker for Creation Ministries International. In fact, he's now the CEO, Dr. Don Batten. And when I heard what he and the other speaker had to say, I realised, wow, I've been so deceived at university. What I hadn't been doing at university was separating out what eyewitness scientists have observed from the evolutionary narrative, which is storytelling designed to try and fit the evidence. I now see that the evidence actually points to the Bible, that when you take the biblical history, uh, take God at his word, everything makes sense. Now, I've explained about the geological layers, also incredible evidence for uh, things having been designed to work properly from the very beginning. Mm. It doesn't fit slow, step-by-step, evolutionary processes. And natural selection, I mean, this is a classic, all right? Um, The bait and switch they do with natural selection. They say natural selection can uh, can weed out the bad and favour the good. That's how evolution happens. Natural selection, I would argue, is a fact. But all it can do is cull genetic information. It can only remove the weak and favour what is an already existence. It doesn't generate the new sorts of genetic information that would be necessary according to step-by-step evolution to make the progression from a single-celled organism billions of years ago to a highly complex multicellular creature such as ourselves. And when I saw that, I went, wow, how come I didn't see it before? It's so obvious. And so, yeah, I had to do uh, some serious repentance of my own life, <laughs> basically, but what a joy. Yeah. I was so excited to know that you can take God at his word. And it has absolutely opened up in a, in a fresh, exciting way, uh, even now, 20 years later, um, uh, that God's word is true from the very first verse. From mm. the very first verse, there is, there's richness and depth uh, in the teaching of the you know, the works, the words of God and the works of God. Dr. David Cashpool, has been fantastic having you on the show today. Thank you very much, Brian. And thank you for sharing your testimony. We're going to move on. Um, that was Dr. David Catchpool from uh, Creation Ministries International. I believe you've just uh, recently retired. Um, 
kind of. I, kind still, of. I still write for Crash Magazine and um, occasional relief speaker to come out of retirement to relieve the other speakers. I actually got a ministry coming up in Adelaide in a couple of weeks' time. Fantastic. And if you'd like to know more about their ministry, uh, we're going to post their uh, details up on our social media. You can do a simple uh, Google search for Creation Ministries International. And uh, yeah, if you've never heard them, head along to uh, the next program that will be happening in your area, wherever that area might be, there is uh, constantly... Uh, um, presentations being made. We're going to move on at this particular time. We're, uh, stay tuned. We've got some more great programming coming up right after this. They're living far longer and far happier than most people in the world. And now, their secret's out. Six regions have been identified as blue zones, places where people experience holistic health, and it's doing them a lot of favors. So do yourself a favor and come along to the free Rethink Health workshops where we will explore six core principles of health and longevity proven through the Blue Zones at the Swansea Center Sunday, October 7, October 14, and October 21st. From 5 p.m. is where you'll find us. For more information, call 0402-528-869 or search for the Rethink Health event on Facebook. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 